Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The Current Status. I'm Pumla Schmidt, one of your co-hosts, also known as Exchange Goddess on the Twitters. And I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts. And we'll start off with our quick intros like we normally do. And I'll send it off to you, Teresa. Hello, everyone. I am Teresa Miller. You can find me on Twitter as at 24by7ITConnect. We have a great topic today. I won't spoil it quite yet, but uh, looking forward to it. And uh, Holly, if you could also introduce yourself. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining today. My name is Holly Lehman. You can find me on Twitter at Lehman underscore underscore Holly. And I am so excited to introduce our special guest today, Ryan. She is a senior CSA with Microsoft and here to tell us all about things that are happening in identity and security, which is so relevant today with everything going on. So Ryan, let me hand it off to you. Tell us a bit about yourself and what is a CSA for those that don't know and, and what you do in Microsoft. Yes, explain your acronym, please. <laughs> Absolutely. Hi, I'm Ryan Makababad and I am a cloud solution architect manager, um, specifically focused on security and identity um, at Microsoft. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ryan underscore Mac, very easy, because um, otherwise you'd have to try and spell my last name and no one wants to. <laughs> um, so what do I do? What is the cloud solution architect? Um, essentially what they are within Microsoft is uh, people who are helping our customers day in and day out, um, helping them to get to a better and more secure um, posture. Um, and a lot of that ties into identity. Um, and so we specifically hired our team in order to have folks that have deep identity backgrounds. Um, most of my team is from actually all of my personal team is from uh, outside of Microsoft. So these weren't people who were indoctrinated into the uh, Microsoft identity story. Although, you know, from my very biased opinion, um, that's the best identity story. Wait, 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 did, did they all get microchipped just like I did and Holly did? <laughs> wait, uh, it's right here. Very yeah. biased opinion. That's why I keep scratching my neck, okay? <laughs> but, it was really important for us to um, to get people who had a broad range of industry experience um, who could identify with our customers at a very, very deep level. Um, so uh, most of our team globally was hired from outside of Microsoft. Um, and so they have deep identity backgrounds because we we really look at identity as the control plane, as, as the, um, some people call it the new um, perimeter. I don't really like that terminology. Um, I tend to, to look at it as um, the foundation of your security strategy, because that's, um, that's really where you should be focusing on rather than trying to have a gate. Um, I'm all about not gatekeeping. We want to get people the, the ones that are authorized um, to have access to information and our resources to get there. So we don't want to gatekeep them from, from getting there. We just want them to get there in a secure fashion, right? So are you gatekeeping at a at a entry point where the customer can modify the settings for their environment? Or are you like way outside of that and I as a customer have no control over the security that you are in charge of. Does that make sense? I think so. Um, so when we look at security, it's not from the perspective of 
um, necessarily um, from like, we are handling all of your security. What we're doing is providing you with the tools necessary for you to be able to configure it based off of your risk acceptance and your willingness to, uh, and your, um, your um, pathways to mitigation, right? Yeah. Um, sorry. That makes sense. So that means that I, as the customer, could potentially um, make security settings uh, or changes for identity for my tenant. So if I have Azure right. or M365, it's that backend area where I can control. Yeah, but we want it to be, we want it to be um, the right fit for you, right? Mm -hmm. So there are things like security defaults that are available in Azure. Mm -hmm. um, and this is for the folks who want to be able to have um, security by default, but maybe they don't have the expertise in-house to make all of those configuration. Um, and so you can turn on um, the security defaults and have things like MFA across all of your, uh, all of your users. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I just said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a question. Um, mm -hmm. I, I wasn't, don't touch there. Um, with this whole pandemic, everybody working from home, have you seen an increase with uh, customers' security posture? Uh, yes, we have. Um, because now more than ever, people have to um, create ways for their employees to work from home. Um, wherein uh, before you used to have this um, this kind of traditional view that your network was secure. And so everything mm -hmm. on your network, um, you were, you kind of gave it this pass. Like if, if it was on my network, then it's safe, it's authorized to be there. And we see that also with uh, VPNs, virtual private networks. And, and so, um, we had that uh, we we had a bunch of people who thought, well, you know, we have VPNs and we have these this secure network, um, but we have all of these people that are working in office, and then all of a sudden this pandemic hit, and suddenly you have all of these people that normally would work from the office trying to get in and do their work from the VPN, which wasn't built to carry that load. It wasn't uh, architected to, uh, to carry, you know, all of your employees logging in and trying to get through on the VPN at, at 9 a.m. or wh whatever your, your start time is um, all at once. It so it's like, a, like, I guess it's all, it was almost like a false sense of security that customers had, you know, like my VPN is secure. Like, um, okay. Let's, you know, mm -hmm. you can believe that. And, and, um, I'm just, I was just curious to see how many customers came to the realization that their network is not as secure as what they really think it is now, right. with, now with the pandemic and now everyone's working from home. I'm like, oh my God, you know, people have to have mm -hmm. access. Well, it, suddenly you have all of these different scenarios that you have to account for, right? Um, mm -hmm. For example, a lot of the employees had devices in office that were towers. They're, they're not bringing those towers home. That's way too much work. Plus, they would have to go into the office to do that, right? And so 
how do you enable them to do their work? Well, there's also a supply chain issue because borders are closed down. Uh, people are, aren't going into the, the offices, the factories, the warehouses in order to make these devices. And so you've got, and I saw this with my team because we hired most of my team between February and April. So it's like, this is right in the midst of the pandemic. And we were trying to order devices for them, Surface laptops, and we couldn't get them. Um, they were, there was a shortage. And so you have the supply chain issue where people can't get devices, right? And, but they still have to do their work because we're already getting hit um, with a decrease in revenue because people aren't able to go to work. People are are losing their jobs, so they're not spending money. And so it's like this chain reaction. Well, we have to get people to, to, to go to work. So how do we enable that? We have to use, bring your own device, right? And so how do we do that securely? Um, we wanna make sure that it's just not like, you know, someone using grandma's device who ha maybe hasn't uh, updated her, you know, antivirus or updated any of the security patches in, you know, God knows when. Um, so it, we want to make sure that there are, are systems in place to check if that device is compliant, if it's secure, um, and then make uh, make decisions on, on access based off of that rather than say someone's username and password. Because that's another thing that we're seeing is that um, attackers are taking advantage of COVID. Right. Oh gosh, yeah. Uh, for sure. For the, sure. The, the phishing, the scamming. Uh, a relative of mine works for a very large financial institution, and the crime, uh, the fraud, has uh, increased dramatically. And I uh, actually, I'm trying to get her to be on the show so we can we can talk about. It, but she's going through uh, PR and making sure she can actually talk about it because they are one of the biggest financial institutions uh, in the world. Uh, but it's it's interesting how fraud has changed, especially credit card fraud. I was uh, going to say nobody asks for a signature anymore. Yeah. UPS delivered an iPhone to my house the other day. It was signature required, but they actually just needed a, a warm body. It's contactless, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, my son was home and he he's, I said, well, did they have you sign? And he said, no, they just mm -hmm. needed me here. I'm like, oh. Okay, it, but it, I, it really shifts what what does security really mean, right? right. What well, what, I, is, what does security identity protection really mean? And, and uh, before it was different. You it, it was contact. Somebody signs for something. Something. Somebody went to the office. You know. Now we don't have that. So it's like I see it. It's so interesting how things are shifting from credit card fraud to identity fraud to trying to get into, you know, the VPN and stuff like that. Everything is changing, but is it really changing or was it just a false sense of security that we had before? And, you know, it's exposing applicate like application gaps, right? Teresa, we, we spoke with Yadin. It's exposing right. gaps that were there. We were just ignorant to it. A blip, like, like, oh, you know, nothing, you know, um, what's it? Ignorance is bliss, right? Yes. Right. If we don't yeah. see it, we don't have to deal. Uh, it's it's no big deal. <laughs> I know it's it's wide open. But I think also for people that were you know going into the office every day, 
I didn't worry about it because I just knew that I was back. You know, I had the security for Microsoft. Yeah, well, but then once I came home to work, then I did start to think about it. I'm like, oh, this MFA is here for a reason. This, you know, username and passwords here for a reason is where when I would go into work, it was like you said, ignorance is bliss. I just knew that everything was safe and secure. And so to see what happens on the back end, and it was a reason that I thought was such a good topic to have you on, Ryan, is because now we are all thinking about it. I'm bringing this device home. I'm trying to do all this data work, all of you know this this um, work with people's email addresses and personal contact information. Like how safe and secure are we? Um, especially working from home. So what are you seeing as any trends or themes from um, people that are now working from home in this pandemic that weren't before? And anything that you're seeing or any tips and tricks that you can give to us on keeping us more compliant instead of just doing the safety blanket concept that I had? Yeah. Well, one of the things I'll say is that that passwords are probably the biggest vector by which um, security breaches occur. Like that's that's the first stop because that's the easiest thing to get. And right? you would think that that's an obvious, but but when we sat in um, uh, strike training, the first thing they did is go over, here's all the things that people do and you know better, but we still do it. We be hey, don't take general. my password one, two, three, <laughs> exclamation point. Okay. <laughs> don't forget, don't forget your first name. Like. Yeah. Like, well, don't take that away from me. I love, <laughs> don't take that away from every home router there. Okay, <laughs> admin password like, one two three. You don't you don't need passwords anymore, and that's one of the things that we're really um, seeing a lot more people ask questions about is passwordless and mm -hmm. about um, uh, Windows Hello for Business, for example, ways to log in without having to use a password. Uh, I mean, idealistically, we would all be able to get away from passwords for good um, and not have to worry about that because that's that's what's happening is is that. Uh, users are getting fished. And so their username and their password are being used. And legacy authentication hasn't been removed from 100% of environments. And so it's it's very easy to, to take that and then get in. And once you're in, you can move laterally across. I, I, I like to use the example of um, lunchtime at a corporate office, right? Lunchtime at a corporate office, everyone is going into the cafeteria. Now at Microsoft, you have to badge in in order to get in at the cafeteria. How many times do you see people uh, at your cafeteria just holding the door open for people? And I oh, like that to a VPN, yeah. right? Because we expect that the people that are in the cafeteria are people that are supposed to be in there. But then we have a second door to get into the main building that we have to badge through, right? And so if you expect that the people that are in the cafeteria are people already that are supposed to be there, then what's to stop you from being uh, not being suspicious of the person who's trying to get through the second door that, you know, and that's and that's what lateral movement is. Right. I got mm -hmm. it through the easy way because somebody was nice and they held the door open for mm -hmm. me because I have oh. what looks like a badge to, you know, to this, this company. You know, you can any, anybody can put some stickers on their laptop and <laughs> go through a security at you know random company and say, "Oh, I forgot my badge," or they can tailgate in and get on or, the elevator and just happen to get into the 
floor that where payroll is at and sit down an empty cubicle. Yeah. I've worked in an organization where we hired someone to um, hack us in all different methods. And they actually were able to do that. They had a backpack, a laptop with a bunch of stickers, you know, look like your typical IT person. Um, Yeah. And got on our, our floor where the payroll was wide open, went into an empty cubicle, sat down and worked for about two hours. Not a single person said anything to them. Like, hello. Yeah, that's what they were working for us. But still, like that, that social, that social engineering, it, it can happen to anybody. Um, So that's where multi-factor does come in. And I think everything that she's describing is that I know even in my personal life, I, I had an issue a couple of years ago. So everything I can do the two factor on now I do. Mm-hmm. And you were mentioning everyone getting fished. <laughs> I, so it's time for my window, my, uh, one of my accounts to be reset or my password to be reset. Ironically, I got a fish email that pretending to be that provider saying you need to change your password. And the first thing I did was checked the from address mm-hmm. and it was not from that provider at all. Yeah. Um, because I'm like, I never received an email on this. Usually it pops up in my interface and says it's time to change your password. And uh, sure enough, I've received two of them now. I just keep trashing them. Throw them away. I'm not. I mean, they want my they want my password, which yeah. would be that first door. Exactly. Right. I, I do. I do encourage you to, to report it because um, and it doesn't matter what provider you're using, um, reporting it through their mechanisms, allow the machine learning on the back end to identify those areas where attackers are coming from, whether it's IP address or, um, you know, uh, information about devices. We have Microsoft Defender Advanced Threat Protection on all of our machines. And so we gather even more data because of the um, um, because it's built into to Windows Defender, the antivirus. And so we can stop things like if something happens on my computer, then uh, Holly's computer can be protected because yeah because uh, we've already analyzed it on the back end. And it doesn't matter if Holly is here in Seattle or if she's in Australia, um, you know, kicking it up on the beach, right? Like she will be protected immediately because of that machine learning, because of because of that uh, AI that's happening uh, behind the scenes. So I definitely encourage you to report it. But I think that's a really important thought. Like, I think a lot of us, when we see a phishing attack happen, we tend to delete. We're not going to open anything. We're not going to touch any links. But I think what you're saying is is super important, especially with so many working from home. Like, take the next step to go ahead and report it because you're protecting thousands of other people versus just hitting the delete button saying, but I didn't click the link. Yeah, right. well, I mean, like, and and there's the steps that you can do when you do click the link, but um, but I think that it, yeah, I think that it's really important. But but again, what you're what you're saying about having multi-factor authentication on all of everywhere that you can have it, right? Um, Twitter, Amazon, uh, Facebook, uh, Google, your your Google email, um, you know, any especially your banking apps, right? Um, I don't even log into my banking apps with my password. I always use uh, like biometric. 
Mm -hmm. A lot of banks, they don't have like the the next gen protection when it comes to multi-factor authentication. They're stu still using things like SMS um, or or email. And those are those are still better than nothing. Don't get me wrong. Like I would rather have an SMS uh, MFA than a than than just username and password. But we we do know that those are vulnerable to man in the middle. So if you can use something like the Microsoft Authenticator app, um, and there has been like an explosion of uh, of innovation that has occurred there that has made it so much easier. I log into my personal email account with Microsoft Authenticator. I never have to input my password. I don't Same know if here. I remember what my password is. I don't remember what my password is for my Microsoft account for when I log my work account when I log in because I never use it. I oh, use I'm constantly resetting passwords. Hello. <laughs> I reset passwords all the time because like, oh, I can't remember what they are. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, I got to reset. Oh God! So, use the password um, manager. Use the password manager <laughs> because then you can have something that you don't. True. You don't need to um, remember your password. You don't. You don't like. I I have random letters, numbers. Same here. That's why I don't remember any of them. I don't know what my password is. I whenever I do have to enter it in, I always have to look it up because yeah. I'm using it so rarely, and it's and it's a complex password. And I use a password generator. To, to create that. So today, I just kind of, I want to transition to more of a personal topic. Um, today, my son got promoted second Ooh! time in nine months. Nice. So he's private, private first class now. That's awesome. Um, U.S. Oh, Army. He's so in the, he's yeah, in the yeah, Army. He, uh, yep, he's in the Army. Um, so it was kind of sad that I couldn't be there for his promotion ceremony. But so, yeah, like, um, I was like so excited, but I hear you are a former army veteran. Uh, yeah. And so your, your story into tech is very interesting. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, and sure. Thank um, you for your previous service. Thank you. Um, I actually just got out of the army reserves um, in June. So I served in the army reserves for five years. And before that I served on active duty uh, in the army for eight years. And um, I did I did IT in the army. Um, I was a military intelligence systems maintainer and integrator. The longest name. Sorry, what does that mean for those of us that don't know? <laughs> did you go to um, Did you go to Texas for AIT? No, I went to Arizona, Fort Huachuca. Okay, my son's in intelligence as well. Mm. Yeah. So so there's um there's there's several bases that you can go to. Yeah. Um, but um, basically what I did was uh, I worked on the equipment. I, I was like system admin, network admin, all in, in, in a bundle um, for, uh, for our intelligence community. And so, you know, they would do something like put a 10 gig image file on their roaming desktop and figure out why they couldn't log in it. And so like, I, I, yeah, you're like, Duh. yeah. So, so I would do that. Um, uh, I would, I did um, component level repair. So I learned how to solder, and I would, you know, go in there and fix connections. Um, and I would perform upgrades and um, basically anything between a generator and a satellite communication dish. I was, I was touching it. Um, and then uh, deployed. Uh, I would also do things for morale, like you know, help people with their 
PlayStation or Xbox when it um, when it inevitably broke down because you're playing it uh, during your off time and there's sand and dust and everything's dirty and you're dirty and yeah. So <laughs> that's what I did in the, in the military. Nice. So tell us how you went from being in the army to being in Microsoft and now being a, I think it's amazing watching you go from being an IC to now being a female people manager in a very technical world. So tell, you know, tell people that are out there saying, how do I get into tech? How do I become a people manager? All the things, you know, I think, I think you have a really good story and um, I'd like to hear the part about getting into Microsoft and in tech and, and that piece of it. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, I had just gotten back from Afghanistan and it was a very traumatic deployment for me. Um, and that deployment is really what, uh, what, uh, preempted my decision to, to get out of active duty and, and go into the civilian world. And, um, at the time that I came back, I, I happened to be in the right place at the right time. Um, for uh, Microsoft to start this program called the Microsoft Software and Systems Academy. And that's uh, aka.ms forward slash MSSA for those of you who are interested, like your uh, your son, if he, you know, he decides that's what he wants to do in the future. Um, and uh, and so uh, Microsoft started what, this what, program. What was that um, link again? I'm going to put that in our, the comments here. Sure. It's aka.ms forward slash M-S-S-A, Mike Sierra Sierra Alpha. M-S-S-A, two S's, right? Yes. Um, and so uh, so what that program is, is um, basically a, a partnership between Microsoft and, um, and the military. And what it does is it uh, provides... Uh, service members either while they're all while they're still serving but they're they're getting into their window of leaving the service um or uh veterans um like myself or national guard or reservists or even military spouses with the opportunity to learn um there's i think four different tracks now there's cybersecurity, um data and ai uh, and cloud and server administration um and then i think one other, but I don't remember, uh, cloud app development. Um, and so if you go to that site, you'll be able to see all of the different um, tracks, learning tracks, and you go through this and and it's a call, you get college course credits and everything. Um, and at the end of it, um, you also get uh, an interview, you get an interview with Microsoft, you get an, and there are over 320 partners, hiring partners that also hire out of this program and there's no finder's fee. So you could literally, as, a, as an organization, go to this program and say, hey, you know, we're really interested in hiring these, uh, you know, these professionals that have been trained and they have all this technical knowledge um, and they just do so well, they do so well. Um, and I'll tell you a story about that in a second. But um, but it, it it helps provide them with training so that they can get kind of a jump start into the civilian world. You're taking people who um, have already learned how to be highly adaptable, who already know how to work in high stress, austere environments, right? Uh, you're you're taking people who know how to work in the most diverse uh, team in the world, right? These are people who are working with people 
from all over the world. They're working with people who have multi, you know, cultural backgrounds, religious backgrounds, men and women. And sometimes you're working with them like neck to neck, like in the ditch. And you guys are grungy and like dirty and we're all like unhappy, but you work as a team to accomplish a mission. And it doesn't matter whether or not you like someone or you or not, right? You're going to work with them to accomplish the mission. And, and this is like value, like big value that we bring to, um, to organizations because you can stick us in a team and we can work anywhere. Um, and so like, and, and then you, you're bringing all of the leadership knowledge that these folks have, um, the leadership experience and that, that team, you want to talk about, uh, people who know the, the value of, of, uh, morale and the value of team, like when your life relies on your your buddy next to you, learn how to be like um, super invested in their well being, right? And and so that's one of the things about um, uh, service members. Uh, but you're a good example of that. You you've brought that to Microsoft, I would say, Ryan, and and you brought that to our previous team, and you continue. I see it, you know, going on Twitter and LinkedIn. Like this is something that you continue to bring to Microsoft. Thank you. Um, and I and I see people like even you don't have to have a tech background to to get into tech. Um, you uh, whether military or not. Um, like a but. As an example, there's this one gal that I mentored and um, she was a medic in the army. Um, and she went through this program and she got hired on as a software developer at Microsoft. Today she's um, she's on David James's team and she does amazing work. And in fact, he has told me personally, like bring me more people like her. Mm -hmm. No tech background, none. Awesome. Um, yeah, yeah, that was really cool. She was a medic, she was a medic. Um, and, but like, this shows you that it doesn't, it doesn't matter what your, what your background is, right? Like if you have a passion for it, you can do it. You Just can like do anything. It. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't have a bachelor's degree. Um, like I'll, I'll, I'll put that out there. I don't have a bachelor's degree. I don't, I don't either. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I don't like, I have an associate's degree in, uh, in, in general studies. Um, but I found uh, I found my passion for tech in the military on accident. Um, I failed at a whole bunch of things before I got there, and someone just happened to give me the opportunity. And I thought, well, maybe you know, maybe this will work out, and it and it did. Um, but I was 24 years old before I even figured that 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 was my passion. Um, that that was something that I was good at, and that it was interesting to me. Um, and so it's like, it, it doesn't matter. But um, but when I talked about like my mentorship of, of um, this young woman, uh, you know, that helped her to have the confidence to really drive her career forward and to really try and accomplish her dreams. And and so it's like, it's, it's hugely valuable that we do that, but not just that. Um, I think that, that if you want to uh, go for something, if you want to change careers, you want to get into technology or, or you want to get, it doesn't matter what you want to get into, right? Um, find a mentor in that, find five mentors in that. But then on the mentor side, like for us that, that get here, for all of you wonderful ladies that are on this call right now, like you can, you can use your position 
you can use your connections, you can use your uh, experience to sponsor someone. And I don't mean sponsor them like, you know, like bring them to the US, though, if that's your, your thing. <laughs> but I mean, like, use your position, use your connections, use your reputation to help provide and create opportunities for others. Because that's what allowed me to get here. Somebody created an opportunity for me, someone paved a path for me, and that's what allowed me to get here. And so every day, that's what I'm trying to put out into the world, because that's what allowed me to get here. Well, I love your story. I love your passion for Microsoft. And looking at the time, we're two minutes over. I thought this was an incredible discussion. I love your it passion was. around the, the technology and showcasing how you know people can get into Microsoft and sharing your story. I think it's beautiful. And I am so happy that you joined us today. So thank you for taking the time out to meet with us and being a part of the current status. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. And thank you everybody for watching and listening once we <laughs> ship this off to Apple Podcasts. Uh, have a great evening, afternoon, or morning wherever you are in the world. Thank See you. you. Later. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.